It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Good evening and welcome. Uh, My name is Greg Gwynn. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, July the 3rd. We're glad you're out there listening over the Internet. Uh, This is an unusual night. I'm manning the controls, and those of you who have listened in the past when I'm at the control panel know that that's usually a pretty hectic thing. We've already had some technical difficulties tonight. We're a little late getting our stream started online for those of you who usually tune in a little bit early. Uh, But I'm at the control panel. Jacob is at an undisclosed location. Actually, we'll go ahead and disclose the location. Jacob, you're down in Jennings, Florida tonight. We are. Can you hear us tonight? Yeah, you're coming in loud and clear. Well, we're live from Jennings, Florida tonight. I've got my father-in-law, Nick Law, here across the table from me. Hello, Nick. Hi, good to be with you all. Nick, we need to get Nick move up close to the mic, Jacob. Uh, Nick, good to hear from you. Uh, appreciate yep. you joining us on the virtual Bible study tonight. Nick has been on with us several times in the past, and we always enjoy his good comments. Uh, we want you to participate in our study tonight. Remember that our contact information is uh, available on the page where you uh, logged on to listen to the program, but we'll also repeat it for you. You can send us an email message, and we'll try to field those email messages throughout the program. The address is questions at collegeview.com. Remember, collegeview is spelled C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E. So that's questions at collegeview.com. You can also call us toll-free, 877-381-4567. We'll get you right on the air. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Jacob, uh, you traveled to Florida today, and you got down there safely. We're glad to know that. And uh, we think that uh, we can get you and Nick involved in a good discussion of the subject of prayer tonight. That's the topic that we sent out earlier today to our update list. Uh, we wanted to, to sort of reference a survey that was on the Internet. Uh, actually, it was in the Nashville, Tennessean, and it was on the Internet as well earlier this week. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that survey, Jacob. Well, the survey was interesting, Dad. A lot of people in our country are praying on a regular basis, uh, more so in the south than than around the the country, but as a whole around the country. People are praying quite a bit, but when asked, um, you know, how often do you pray? They're praying very often, but asking how often does God hear and answer your prayers, uh, they say very rarely. 70% 70% of Tennesseans pray at least once a day, so that's encouraging that uh, people are thinking about God. The 70% of people in Tennessee are praying once a day. But when asked uh, how often they uh, receive an answer to their prayer, uh, only 42% say they receive an answer at least once a month. Um, and uh, 20% say they receive an answer, an answer to a prayer several times a year. Uh, but 18% say they seldom or never receive an answer to their prayers. So of that 70%, Dad, that are praying on a regular basis, very few uh, are saying that they receive an answer to their prayers. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I'm seeing that same study. I've got it referenced here on my screen as well, and it says that 
90% of Americans pray at least a few times every month. And like you said, 70% of Tennesseans say they pray at least once every day. So that I suppose we would take that as somewhat an encouraging sign that people at least are thinking of prayer. But as the survey indicates, very few think they get an answer to prayer. And I would suspect, based upon what I think the Bible teaches on this subject, that's probably true. Very few get an answer to prayer because they probably are not complying with the conditions that God has placed upon prayer. And that's the questions we asked earlier today to that update list. We asked, number one, are there any conditions stated in the scriptures that we must fulfill before we can have an expectation that God will answer our prayers? And if there are such conditions, what are they? I think that's an important question to ask. All these people praying, and a lot of them saying, I don't ever get an answer to prayer. It, it I think... Probably the heart of the matter is the reason why they're not is because they have not complied with the necessary conditions. They're not in a position to be able to be privileged to prayer. Well, you know, that's that's true. But we also would ask those who are listening uh, to our broadcast that believe they are complying with the requirements uh, that God has put forth before he will hear and answer our prayers. Do you think that God is answering your prayers? Dad, uh, we don't have uh, the answer to our prayers don't come with a banner flying across the sky being pulled behind an airplane saying this is God answering your prayers. Uh, for us to, to see the answers to God's prayers, we really have to stop and pause and reflect and think back about the things that we were concerned about and look how that uh, they've worked out. And uh, then we can understand some about how God's answered our prayers. Well, that was actually the second question we put out there earlier today. How and in what ways does God answer prayers? So uh, we want to talk about that, and and we want you to get in on these questions. Number one, are there conditions for acceptable prayer? If so, what are they? And number two, how and in what ways does God answer prayer? Those are the questions that we'd like you to, to help us with tonight. So send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. Let's start out with that first part of that, the necessary conditions of prayer. Uh, I, I think that uh, we should should probably make sure that everyone understands that you can't just sit down in, in a moment of crisis or emergency and uh, be privileged to approach God in prayer. There are a lot of people that use prayer that way. They use it sort of like a panic button, but I don't believe it can be used that way. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I believe that's exactly right. Uh, as we think about uh, Jesus, when he was asked by the disciples of John about prayer in Luke 11th chapter, we notice that he begins out uh, early on as he teaches them to pray to the Father in heaven. He says, uh, pray that thy will be done. And, of course, Jesus uh, followed that same example uh, in Matthew 26. Uh, as he's uh, in the garden, he prayed to his Father for things, uh, things that he you as father could do and and one of the things he did was not my will but thy will be done so i think that's right up front that we need to understand the teaching of our lord well and he starts the prayer off with our father so if we can't call god our father and we're not submitting to his will then uh dad i believe the scripture would teach us that uh, god's not going to hear those who aren't striving to submit to his will i think that's right in john chapter uh nine there was an episode where jesus healed a man who had been blind Later, that man was questioned about Jesus and about who had healed him and so forth. It's a rather involved context. But that man made a statement 
uh, that we believe is a truism. In John chapter 9, verse 31, the blind man who had been healed said this, We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Now, as I say, that, I don't believe that that was an inspired man speaking there. That's an inspired account of his words, but I believe he was speaking a truth, and, and Scripture would confirm that. That if we, as you said, Jacob, if God is not our father and if we're not honoring him as our father, if we're not striving to maintain a relationship with with him as our father, then we don't have the privilege of approaching him in prayer. And so for people who go day by day without ever thinking about God, without ever thinking about the necessity of serving God in their life, they're just not concerned about spiritual things at all. And then when they get in a crisis, maybe there's some danger or some emergency, maybe some physical illness besets them or some other trouble in their life comes about, then they want to jump to the avenue of prayer and use it like a panic button. The the Bible just doesn't offer any hope to people who are using prayer in that fashion. Exactly right. Uh, We see that prayer is reserved, Nick, to those who are submitting their will to the Father and uh, are striving to be faithful to Him. And and, uh, we don't have any indication that God's going to hear those who are rebellious and have turned their back against him that's right solomon uh the wisest man that we know god giving him the wisdom that he had uh, tells us in proverbs 28 and verse 9 one who turns away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is, is an abomination so we have the responsibility to do god's will call upon him as our father and uh, he expects things of us as he gives answer in james chapter 5 verse 16 the simple Instruction there, uh, a statement of fact, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That we don't see that uh, referencing to a, a prayer of a sinner, uh, that the uh, the effectual prayer of a sinner avails much. Jacob, we got an email from our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, and uh, concerning these conditions of prayer, he said uh, we must be his children and in a faithful relationship with him. And he references Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. I think that's kind of interesting because in Isaiah 59, we we know that the prophet Isaiah was speaking to God's children of that era. He was speaking to those who were in uh, uh, the covenant with God of the Old Testament, but God wasn't hearing them. So in other words, they had the basis of a relationship, but they weren't maintaining it faithfully. And in Isaiah 59, verse 1, the prophet famously said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So here was a case of people who who had a, a covenant relationship with God, and yet he still wasn't hearing them because they weren't striving to live faithfully. I think that should be a big warning signal to a lot today. First, you've got to be in a covenant relationship with God as your father. And secondly, you've got to be maintaining that relationship faithfully or he's not going to hear your prayers. Well, that's right, uh, Dad. But that, isn't that how we serve God, though, a lot? Even all, you know, all of us are, are, are prone to this. We serve God for what he can do for us, not for what we can do for him. Uh, we're, we're selfish uh, creatures, and we think only about ourselves. And so uh, when we think about God, we want to pray to God when we want something from him. And when we're doing okay and we think we're we're fine by ourselves we don't think much about god uh that's uh, the, a tendency that we all have to be careful about i think that's i think that's exactly right our friend keith in uh lynchburg tennessee has, has also referenced john nine thirty one, which we referenced just a moment ago now we know that god does not hear sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of god and does his will he hears them 
Keith goes on to say, therefore, we must deduct that even though this was said by an uninspired man, which Jesus did not rebuke when he found him later, it must be true. I think that's an interesting take that uh, Keith has uh, on that. He said, you know, he said it. Jesus didn't rebuke him for saying it. We could conclude, therefore, since it was not corrected later, that it is a true statement. God, and he go, Keith goes on, God will only lend his ears to those individuals that worship him in spirit and in truth, and also these must do his will. Uh, there's a passage in Acts 10, verses thir- 3 and 4, concerning Cornelius, which says he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying unto him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And Keith says, here God hears the prayers of Cornelius because in verse 2, the Bible says he was a devout man, one who feared God with his house and prayed to God always, so forth. Notice that Cornelius was a doer of God's will by being generous and and uh, so on. He goes on quite a way. I don't have time to read all that, but I think probably the case of Cornelius is the only exception to the idea that if you're not in a relationship with a covenant relationship with God, in other words, if you're not striving to serve God, you're not obedient to his will. If you've not come into a relationship with him as your father by obeying the gospel, you don't have the privilege of praying. The only possible exception to that is the one that Keith mentions there concerning Cornelius, where a sinner seeking to know the truth, uh, God, I think, will make possible that 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 individual will, be, will have opportunity to come into contact with the truth. But even in Nick, the case of Cornelius, his prayers didn't save him. Your thoughts about that, about Cornelius, Nick, because that is the one exception that, that we can't see in the Scriptures. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, as I think back to Luke 11 in the model prayer, we see that our Lord had taught people to seek, knock, and ask. And I think that's what Greg is setting forth in the idea of what uh, the prayer that is going up as a memorial to uh, God from uh, Cornelius is a man who is seeking God. In verse 9 of that same chapter, said, uh, Jesus had taught, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. And everyone who asks receives. We, we see that the Lord is promising it at that time that people who are seeking, knocking, and asking, the doors will be opened. Now, he was a sinner in, in his sins, no doubt, because we see that he had to be baptized for the remission of sins, and yet he was a seeker of God. And I think God is not trying to trap alien sinners in their sins. He wants us to be saved. I think that's the key right there. I, it, I think that's the only prayer of Cornelius that God was going to respond to. And then upon Cornelius' decision to either obey or not obey the gospel when he heard it, then that would determine what would happen thereafter. But that, that in my mind, is the only exception to the, the general rule that we've stated. You've got to be in a right relationship with God, and you've got to be maintaining that relationship if you want him to be hearing your prayers. we got more to say on this. We're up to the time of our first break. We have time for you to get in. There's a lot to discuss on this subject of prayer. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. We'll be back right after these announcements. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship 
worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hi, I'm Kent Bumgardner. And I'm Mindy. We're from Jackson, Tennessee. And we love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back, and we're studying the subject of prayer tonight. We, we want to know, uh, a lot of people in a recent survey said they pray, but they don't feel like they get an answer to prayer. We're trying to uh, initially investigate what may be some of the hindrances that keep people's prayers from being answered. Later in the program, we want to talk about some of the ways that God does answer prayers and how we can know about that. So those are the two questions we've got out there for discussion tonight. What are the conditions of acceptable prayer? And number two, how and in what forms does God answer prayer? Uh, we're getting some email feedback, and we want some some more feedback from you. Um, I got an email here, Jacob, from our friend Stephen up in Pennsylvania, uh, concerning the question of conditions for prayer. Uh, he says, this question kind of gets into the study of the Holy Spirit. God will hear our prayers through the intercession of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. In verse 27 of the Romans passage, the Holy Spirit can search our hearts, our spirit, to determine what we are truly desiring to pray about and the deeper things that cannot be expressed by our mouths or thoughts. The Holy Spirit can do this because he bears witness with our spirit to determine that we are the children of God, Romans 8:16. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through baptism, Acts 2:38, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, 1 Corinthians 3:16. According to John 9:31, God will only hear us if we do his will. Therefore, if we are not baptized, then God will not hear our prayers because we have not done his will. Once we are baptized and we receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, that can aid us, that aids us in our salvation. So uh, kind of putting that all together, I think what Stephen is saying is we've got to, and the Spirit of God has got to dwell in us, and the Spirit of God only dwells in those who are obedient to uh, the will of God. So basically, in a roundabout way, he's saying exactly what we were saying earlier, that if we're not in a right relationship with God, then the Spirit is not... Uh, making intercession for us, as Romans 8, verses 26 and 27 says that he does, and and that's because we're not in a relationship with God. So I think Stephen is in agreement with our conclusion there that we've been stating so far. I think so, too. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we haven't gotten into yet, and uh, I don't know, I don't want to jump ahead of you, Dad, and your plans here, but one of the things that uh, we we haven't talked about is we could be in a right relationship with God and still not have the conditions met for God to hear our prayers. I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, we, we talked earlier about, you know, if you were a Christian, but you were involved in sin and you had not repented of the sin, then like Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says, that would keep God, turn, keep him from hearing or listening to our prayers. So if, if we're not, uh, you know, if we're not striving to do the right thing and if we're not living right, even though we are Christians then there's no promise or guarantee that he will hear us and answer our prayers. 
Well, I think it, it also goes beyond that. If uh, we are uh, striving to live pleasing to God, but we ask without faith, uh, and I think that's one that may get a lot of people, Nick, is, is, is praying without faith. We pray because we think it's something that we should do. Uh, we have always done it. And so we'll pray, but we don't have a lot of faith in James chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 5, beginning. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if we pray without believing that God is hearing us, without believing that God will answer us, then we, we're wasting our breath. There's no reason for us to pray to begin with. You know, as we look at what James says, uh, having doubt in one's mind is certainly not the way to go about asking. And then the idea of faith would clear up because as we pray in faith, uh, it's very clear that our faith should come by hearing the Word of God, which is the will of God. And so as we put all those ideas together, we see that as as we pray, some people seem to want to ask God uh, for Him to zap things into their minds and hearts. Uh, God expects us to study. Uh, he's provided ways for us to have the wisdom, uh, and He expects us to exert ourselves in it. It's more than just an effort of, you know, of us having a wish list and asking for things. That's usually the way people think of prayer. And, of course, in prayer, we see that intercession has already been brought up. We can we can uh, have intercessory prayer where we pray for our brethren as the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us, as Christ makes intercession for us. And then there's thanksgiving and other ideas that go along with the idea of prayer as well. So as we go down each uh, aspect of it, talking to God is, is uh, communicating with him within the guidelines of his will. As we've already mentioned earlier in, in the book of uh, 1 Peter, uh, we were emphasizing the idea where it says in verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. And we can see very clearly, even back in Solomon's day, in uh, 1, uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, as Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord and spreads his hands toward heaven, he says, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above, or on earth below, like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. So we see that he understood the responsibilities uh, and he received wisdom from God. And that even shows that a man like him can turn their heart from hearing God and their prayers can become an abomination. Those are good comments, Nick. I appreciate what you've had to say there. I got an email from Patrick who answers uh, along the lines of some of those same things. He said in answer uh, to the question about requirements for acceptable prayer, he said, Jesus tells us, quote, all things are possible with God and that we will receive whatever we ask for in prayer if we believe that we receive it. One comment I have often read is that the grammar of Jesus' sentence implies that we should believe that we have already received what we ask for in prayer. Jesus also tells us elsewhere that our prayers must be in accordance with God's will. We should not pray for something that is obviously contrary to what we know is good and right. James also tells us that we must ask for the right reason. In other words, we must not ask selfishly. Paul also tells us that we should pray with thanksgiving. Commentators I have read often state that we should give thanks to God for answering our prayers even before we actually receive what we ask for. I think Patrick has mentioned several good things there. Uh, certainly, we cannot ask for something that God has definitely told us he won't do. 
maybe a, a, an extreme example of it. Let's say that a loved one has passed away. Uh, and, and so I'm praying that God will raise him from the dead. Well, God doesn't work miracles of that nature any longer. And there was a time in the past when he did, but he doesn't anymore. Uh, and so it, it would be a prayer contrary to the will of God for me to pray for something that he says he's not going to do. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I would not, I could not pray for something that is in, in contradiction to, uh, some established law of nature, for instance. Uh, you know, I couldn't pray to God and ask water to run uphill. That, that would be miraculous. God's not working in miraculous ways any longer. And so I can't ask for him to do what he has told me he won't do. I can't ask him to do something that would, would be wrong in contradiction to his will. For, for instance, uh, uh, I, I couldn't ask him to uh, approve my lying. I'm telling a lie, and, and I want God to approve the lie that I've told. He's not going to do that. I, that would be in contradiction to his will. Uh, I can't ask. Uh, Patrick also mentions I can't ask for something that I want to uh, have some selfish desire of mine. Uh, James 4 verse 3 says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Uh, that, that's a wrong kind of prayer if it's motivated out of some selfish greed on my part. So there's several things there in, in his email that he mentions that I think are on point. Well, we have to also, I like what he said, we, we have to also, Nick, ask according to his will. And a lot of times it's uh, easy for us to pray against God's will. We want God to maybe uh, remove a lot, uh, move some of the trials that we're going through, and uh, God uh, is not going to take those out of our lives. That's against His will for Him to remove all those trials. He has uh, He allows us to go through those trials so that we can uh, become stronger. Our faith can be built up uh, by going through the trials. He'll help us to deal with them. He's promised that, and so we can ask for strength in dealing with the trials. But uh, sometimes we we are asking for things where we, in effect, want God to take those trials out of our lives and make them go away, and and that's not His will. Sometimes, that's right. We see uh, men in the in the scriptures that uh, have the confidence in God. I believe uh, in First John the fifth chapter, uh, it keep it emphasizes this point in verse fourteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We we pointed out how we have to. Follow his will, he hears us, and then he answers the prayers in the very best way for us. And what we can't do is we can't know how God's providence is going to work. God God understands that. In the Bible, we see how his providence works, and it is at work today. But of course, we can't see the future, but the temptations, as you're saying, will come. And he says there's a way of escape. There's responsibility for us to overcome them, and there's... It's right for us to ask God's assistance in those things as our faith is working. I think we see that in James chapter 1 where uh, we are told to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, verse 2 of James chapter 1, uh, knowing that uh, the trying of your faith work is patience. And as we go through those things, notice what James said. James didn't say pray to God that these temptations can go away, these trials can go away. He says pray to God for wisdom. So pray for that assistance. But we're going to have to go through those things that are unpleasant and challenging for us. Uh, but God has promised that he will give us that assistance, that wisdom, and that way of escape. Jacob, let me uh, pick up just a couple more points off of Jim's email concerning these conditions of acceptable prayer. He said, uh, Jesus said we must pray not using vain repetition or to be seen of men, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. He said that our attitude must be to put God first in our life before we can expect for him to provide for us, Matthew 6, verse 33. 
And he says we cannot expect to remain in fellowship with God and have him answer our prayers unless we remove any sin from our lives as Christians. And he references Acts 8, verses 18 through 24. So I think Jim mentioned several good things there. And uh, we're up against a break, but I wanted to I wanted to sort of expand upon one of his points there. He said we ought not to pray using vain repetition to be seen of men. And that sort of introduces the question about the proper mechanics of prayer, how we ought to go about the mechanics of prayer, actually how we should address our prayers and so forth. Recently, someone was asking me about praying to Jesus, and I know we've talked about that before on a virtual Bible study, but I wanted to mention that again tonight. Uh, and so when we get back from this break, let's talk a little bit about, we've been talking about how our lives must be right with God in order to have our prayers answered. Let's talk about uh, sort of the mechanics of prayer, actually how we construct our prayers and how we word our prayers, how we address our prayers to make sure they're acceptable to God and can be heard and answered by him. And we'll do that right after we get back from this break. You got time to get in? Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. We're going to be right back after this break. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Our friend Bill Hall has offered these thoughts about prayers offered during worship services. He says the worshiper who would pray in the assembly must do more than bow his head and close his eyes. He must pray, quote, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? First Corinthians 14, verse 16. This verse suggests four requirements if one is to enter into prayer. One, he must listen to the prayer. One cannot legitimately say amen at the conclusion of a prayer if he has not listened to the prayer. Mind-wandering is an ever-present problem. We sing, but we don't observe the words of the song. We bow our heads, but we don't listen to the prayer. We sit through the sermon, but our minds wander to things of an earthly nature. Consequently, we attend worship periods, but we don't worship as we ought. If one is to pray with the congregation, he must listen to the prayer. Secondly, he must understand the prayer. When a man in the first century led a prayer in an unknown tongue, the worshiper could not say amen, for he could not understand the language in which the prayer was spoken. Neither could the worshiper say amen today if the leader has not spoken loudly enough to be heard or if he has used words or phrases which the worshiper does not understand. Those who lead prayers in the assembly should be conscious of the needs of the whole congregation, speaking up where all can hear and using words which all can understand. Number three, he must agree with the prayer. A number of years ago, while sitting beside an older preacher, I observed him saying yes or yes, Lord, at the conclusion of each separate phrase of the prayer as it was being led. He spoke the words softly enough that I was probably the only one in the assembly who could hear them, but I was impressed. Obviously, this brother was listening to every phrase, determining whether or not he agreed with the phrase, and was then softly speaking his agreement. He was not just sitting through the prayer, he was praying. Occasionally, we hear sentiments expressed in a prayer which we do not agree. To these sentiments, we cannot say amen. Finally, he must say amen. The word amen suggests, let it be so. We long to hear the strong, resounding amen at the close of prayers, which we used to hear. We fear that our move away from this practice is just another step toward cold, lifeless formality in our worship period. We are not contending, however, that one must say the word amen audibly. But we are suggesting that at least in his mind, he should say amen, thus making the prayer his own prayer. He has listened to the prayer. He has understood the prayer. He has agreed with the prayer. Now he speaks to God his amen or approval of the prayer as his prayer. In this manner, he unites with other worshipers in common prayer unto God. We agree with Brother Hall's analysis of public prayers and offer this for your consideration. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study 
Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back uh, for the second half hour of the virtual Bible study. We're going to go to the top of the hour. We're talking about an important subject. We're talking about prayer and whether or not prayers can be answered. And the first part of the thing that we're dealing with here is talking about some of the things necessary for acceptable prayer. Uh, We we got an email from our friend Jack in uh, Hampshire, Tennessee, who says 1 Peter 3, 7 shows us that even Christians can have their prayers hindered if we as husbands are not treating our wives as we should. I think that's a good good uh, point that's offered by Jack there. Uh, he, he's saying there are plenty of things that can hinder our prayers and keep them from being answered. And this is just one specific example. If, if I as a husband have not been maintaining a right relationship with my wife, then that can hinder my prayers. In fact, I've often made the point that uh, that can sometimes make it even hard to sit down and even engage in prayer. If you've just had a big falling out with your wife in a big fight of some kind or other, and then you sit down and try to word a, a thoughtful prayer to God, that that's just nearly impossible to do. But I think Jack's point's well taken. There's just plenty of things in our lives. If if we're just not working hard to maintain ourselves as a Christian in every aspect of our life the way that it ought to be, then it can can throw up a roadblock to us being able to pray uh, and us being able to pray acceptably to God, and, and uh, therefore our prayers certainly not going to be hindered if they're not being offered acceptably toward God. Uh, Jack, Jack references 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Nick, you think that uh, hindering, hindrance of prayers is limited uh, to, to the relationship between a man and his wife, or does... Uh, that is that indicative of the fact that uh, any uh, type of error in our lives can hinder our prayers. Uh, I believe uh, someone in the past, I've, I think, has expressed it well. When we think about our relationship with uh, our spouse or anyone, for that matter, uh, we have to think about our disposition. And and one of the questions that we might ask ourselves, you know, when we we have clenched teeth, can we sit down and pray to God? Are we in the proper disposition? Uh, will God hear our prayers as we? Uh, have malice in our heart toward others, uh, our brethren, or even even our God teaches us to love our enemies. And so there's a certain amount of responsibility that we have in understanding how to react toward our enemies so that our prayers are not hindered. Maybe this goes back to First John chapter 4, verse 20, where if it says, If any man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So if we're not in the right relationship with our fellow man in general, then we're not loving God, and that goes back to being in submission to his will, Dad, that we're not in submission to his will, and therefore he's not going to hear us. I think exactly right. I'm thinking of another verse where Jesus said in John 6, actually he was teaching about prayer there in the Sermon on the Mount in John 6, or excuse me, Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 14. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So my prayers could be rendered uh, ineffective, if I've not had a, a forgiving spirit toward those who've wronged me. So just a lot of things there that can keep our prayers from, from. in other words, they're not acceptable. They're certainly not going to be answered if they're not acceptable. And there's just any number of things that we've talked about that would keep us from offering acceptable prayer. First, I think foremost is if we're not in a right relationship with God, we've not obeyed the gospel, we're not true Christians, he's not going to answer us. If even as a Christian, we're not living faithfully, we've got sins that we won't repent of. He's not going to answer our prayers as long as we are continuing in prayer and refuse to repent. If 
If I've got other relationships in my life that I'm not maintaining as a husband toward my wife or as a, as a brother towards some other brother, uh, all those kind of things. If, uh, if, if I've prayed selfishly, uh, if I've prayed with a lack of faith and just all, what we're seeing is there's a lot of things that can keep prayers from being answered. And so all of those things are important for us to consider. A lot of things that we want to keep in order then so that we can have our prayers answered. Real quickly, I wanted to uh, touch on this subject of how we should construct our prayers acceptably. I think one of the things, as we pray to God, one of the things that we definitely want to do to make our prayers acceptable is that we approach him with a, 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 a true degree of reverence and respect. Um, we ought to uh, certainly be mindful that we are approaching the God of the universe who's created all things, the great God of heaven, and therefore... Our, our address to him should denote that respect. I think we should be comfortable in prayer. I'm not saying there has to be a rigid formality of prayer, but I do think that we should have a, a great respect for the one we're speaking to in prayer. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5, beginning, Nehemiah prayed, Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, and with their host, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Notice how he took time in his prayer to address God and to show respect and reverence and praise for God. Uh, I think we should do that. I, I, I'm concerned that they're in this sort of contemporary worship mode that some people are endorsing these days. They've gotten very nonchalant about the way they uh, they address God, and that would be wrong. I think that would render our prayers unacceptable and therefore not going to be answered from God. Yeah, I think there are some people who are saying that we can pray, Dear Dad, don't they? I've uh, heard of that. I've certainly heard of that. And certainly that's different from Jesus' exhortation to us. Uh, he told us when we pray uh, that we should say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So, Dad, that's not a... Uh, you know, sitting around uh, the living room, kind of familiarity with God. It's a it's a respect and a reverence for Him. I think that's exactly right. And certainly, our prayers ought to express thanks. First uh, Thessalonians five, verse seventeen, beginning, pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So, we ought to praise Him. We ought to we ought to express our thanks to Him for all of our blessings. Our prayer should not just be a constant asking for things, although that's an important part of prayer. We have the privilege to ask for the things we need, but our prayer should not just be a constant asking. But I wanted to address one other subject that had come up to me. Uh, someone had asked me about praying to Jesus, and uh, I'm, I'm of the firm uh, conclusion that the Scriptures tell us that we should address our prayers to God and not to Jesus. That's been a question that's been batted around some. But, uh, you know, Jesus, I think, himself answered this pretty well. In Luke chapter 11, beginning verse 1, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so when when the, when the disciples specifically said, how do we pray? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so Jesus taught his disciples to address their prayers to God. In Matthew chapter 6, when he was teaching on prayer, 
Jesus said when thou, uh, Matthew 6, beginning verse 6, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father. And then he says in verse 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. He said, pray to the Father, and he said, address the Father. Uh, in John 16, verse 23, Jesus said, In that day ye shall ask nothing. Ye shall ask me nothing. Verily I say to you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So Jesus said we that, would ask. Go ahead. That, and that day is, speaking of when Jesus has uh, left this earth. That's that day we're living in right now. It, in the context of, of, of John chapter 16, 23. That's right. Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Ephesians 5, verse 20, Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians three seventeen, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him, by Jesus. And so I think the... I think the New Testament is pretty clear there on addressing our prayers to the Father. I believe that's what we ought to do. Now, uh, usually when that point is made, and, I, and we have talked about that before on the virtual Bible study, usually when that point is made, uh, there is an example brought up in Acts chapter 7 of Stephen. When Stephen was being stoned, uh, Acts chapter 7 beginning verse 55, Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, some people use that text to justify praying to Jesus because Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. My answer to that, I don't want it to be flippant or too simplified, but my answer to that is Stephen saw Jesus and spoke to him. If you see Jesus, you should speak to him too. But short of seeing him, which we're not going to do in this lifetime, what the scripture says about prayer is that we ought to address the Father through the name of the Lord Jesus. And so I really believe that that's what we ought to be doing. I think that's a pretty easy answer to the question I'd again emphasize what Jesus said in Luke 11. Uh, when you pray, he said, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. So when Jesus was specifically asked, how do we pray? He said, you address your prayers to the Father. Uh, and then there are several other things about how we should construct our prayers. They, as we said, they should be respectful. They should include praise and adoration. They should include thanksgiving. Um, they should avoid, as, as one of our correspondents said earlier, they should avoid vain repetition to be seen of men. Uh, all of those kinds of things are necessary, and uh, we, we want to make sure that we're actually composing our prayers accurately. Jacob? I agree. Uh, Nick, any comments along those lines? Well, I, I think Greg, in all the passages that he's read, shows very clearly as we address the Father, and the only way we can get to the Father is by means of or through Jesus Christ. All those passages would indicate that in our prayers we, we must uh, be acknowledging the fact uh, of Jesus always did the will of his Father. And he came so that we might address his Father. And all the passages that Greg has read and many more that we could supply uh, shows that we ought to address the Father through or by means of the Son. And so they're both involved in our prayers, there's no doubt about it. Certainly. He, Jesus is our mediator, so uh, we are praying, and he is hearing, he hears those prayers, but he's interceding for us through the Father. That's right.
Jacob, we're going to take one more break. Uh, you guys down there in Florida, hang on. You listeners, uh, you still got time to get in with an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. We're going to be right back after this break, and we want to hear from you. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back, and we've got 15 minutes remaining on the virtual Bible study. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or give us a phone call, 877-381-4567. We had another part of our question that we asked to our update list earlier today, and we we need to get to this part of the question, Jacob and Nick. How and in what ways does God answer prayers? I think that's an important thing. A lot of people in that survey that we referenced earlier were saying they pray, but they don't see God answering prayers. Um, and so maybe part of the problem is that they're anticipating something that's not going to happen. I think that might be the case. What do you think? Well, I think so. You, the prerequisite, our prerequisite of our prayers, Nick, is that it has to be according to His will. So He's not going to answer our prayers in violation to His will. And again, as we said before, some people are praying for things that would be a violation of God's will. Yeah. Uh, also, it has, in order for it to be prayers of faith, as we mentioned earlier, it does have to be in accordance with His will because you cannot have faith uh, without hearing the Word of God. If if you have faith in something, God's Word has not. Uh, mentioned, then why would you ask for that? And then also how people think of how, uh, in other words, they, they think if God does not answer the prayer the way they think are thinking, and, and many times uh, God, I believe, will answer our prayers in the very best way. If we if we see what comes our way as we live our lives and we're righteous, because he, his, uh, his ears are open to the prayers of the righteous, and that's who he's promised. Uh, that, that's that's the only people that we see in the scriptures that actually has that promise that his ears will be open to their prayers. And so sometimes the benefits uh, that come that people are looking for uh, it, it is not is not being answered by God the way they think it ought to be answered. Well, you, you know, we talk about that. You know, sometimes we pray for things to happen a certain way. They happen the opposite of the way that we wanted them to happen. But we look back in retrospect on those things, and those were for our best interest and uh, were beneficial. God has provided for those things for our well-being. Yeah, we see several prayers in the Old Testament. I was thinking earlier about Jacob as he meets his brother Esau. 
he prays to God, uh, and and God has already instructed him to leave his uh, father uh, father-in-law's homeland, and he brings his two wives back. But as he prays, if you if you read the context there in Genesis, you see that he also makes preparation in order to meet Esau. And of course, things turned out in a very good way uh, from the last time they had seen one another, and probably what Jacob may have been anticipating. But he not only prayed to God, but he also made provisions, even in how he set his family up in the caravan and sending gifts on. It seems like he's sending peace offerings to his brother. And then we see them uh, coming together, and, of course, that's a happy ending. There are as many prayers we will see in the Old Testament. So, Dad, along those lines of praying according to God's will would mean and necessitate that we do our part in that. We can't pray that God would do something and we just sit back and watch it. God uh, wants us to be active in doing his will, and uh, and he'll answer prayers through that as well. Well, you know, when Jesus, in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, when he taught that model prayer, he said, Give us this day our daily bread. Well, if I pray for daily bread, but then I won't do anything to make it so, I won't do anything to to make it happen, then first of all, that's praying in contradiction to the will of God, which we already mentioned, but he's not going to answer a prayer in such a fashion when I'm not doing what I can to fulfill that part of the need as well. Got got some emails here. Stephen in uh, Pennsylvania has said uh, he hears our prayers. He will always answer them, whether it is yes or no. Oftentimes when we receive what we want through prayers, people will say that he answered our prayers. But God is almighty, almighty and will answer prayers according to his will. We may not like the answers and we may not always understand the answers. I do not believe that the Bible addresses a methodology through how God will answer our prayers. I really liked, I, 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 think, I, I think I agree with Stephen on that. I'm not, a couple things there. I'm not exactly sure what he meant. But I think Jim in Mount Pleasant has especially addressed this part of the question very well. And I want to just read his answer. The question again was how and in what ways does God answer prayers? He says God can answer a prayer by saying yes and giving us what we ask for, as in Matthew 6:32. God can answer prayer by saying no and not give us what we ask for. For instance, Paul requested the removal of the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and following. God can answer a prayer by saying no but giving us something we didn't ask for. Uh, Paul learned the importance of patience and trust in God's grace and with God's answer uh, also there in 2 Corinthians 12. God can answer a prayer by saying, not now, but wait, giving us an answer, but not in our time frame, but his, as the Jews had prayed for the Messiah, but God did not provide the answer until a much later time. And uh, he says, consider what Simeon said in Luke 2 when Jesus was brought to the temple as an example of how he had been waiting for the promise of God. He says, God can answer a prayer by saying yes, but under certain conditions. Cornelius' prayer was answered, but he had to go to Peter and he had to learn. uh, And his answer to prayer was the preaching of the gospel and required his obedience as in Acts 10. God can answer a prayer by simply listening to his children and providing comfort and strength as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. The problem is never in God being unable to answer prayer. The problem is that man does not trust God to know the right answer and thus doesn't always accept what God provides. So I thought that was a very thoughtful response from Jim. Again, real quickly, let me summarize what he said. God can answer by saying yes. He can answer by saying no. He can answer by saying not now. Wait. He can answer by saying yes, but with certain conditions attached. He can answer by simply listening to what we have had to say and what our situation is. So I thought that was a very thoughtful answer from Jim in Mount Pleasant. It is. And, uh, you know, we look at these 
surveys, Dad, where a large percentage of people who pray uh, feel like their prayers are not answered. But there is a considerable number of people that do think their prayers are answered. Nick, do you think it's possible that people are attributing answers from God that aren't answers uh, from God? People asking for things or asking things that are not according to God's will, those things come to pass and they attribute them to God? I believe many in the religious world would come to that conclusion. And because of their lack of understanding of a knowledge of God's word, they pray for things and they don't understand that God is already providing many of those things. He says he lets it rain on the just and the unjust. We ought to be thankful for the things that come our way. Sometimes I've thought about we give God thanks for the rain. I'm sure in certain parts of the country... Right now we hear about those things, and people would like the rain to stop, of course, because of the high water. In other places, we have droughts, and, you know, we, we pray to God to stop the drought, and yet we, we realize that both of those are blessings when we begin to understand and see what God has done through nature, and the more man can understand. So a lot of, lots of times it's, it's a, the knowledge level and the attitude that people have that they misunderstand and misapply what the answer to prayer is. I think that's right, Nick. Years ago, I studied with a guy in East Tennessee, and this guy was not trying to live right. By his own admission, he wasn't even trying to serve the Lord, but he'd been having trouble in his marriage, and he said he'd been praying about it. And one day, he walked out of his house, and, and on the on the telephone line coming to his house, there were two doves sitting on the telephone line. And, and as he watched, he said one of those doves got up and flew away, and the other one stayed put. And he said he just knew that that was God telling him that his wife was going to leave him, that they were going to get a divorce. Well, I, I would say the guy was reading an awful lot more into those birds sitting on the wire than was justified. By his own admission, he wasn't trying to live right. And so we, from what we were saying earlier, we don't have any reason to believe that God would answer his prayer. Uh, and certainly he was trying to interpret something into a, a, a sign of some sort that just wasn't there. That must be a good example of how, as we read in the Old Testament, it says the imaginations of men's heart was uh, evil continually. <laughs> that was, that was, I think of that. He was it using was an imagination. His, yeah, he sure was using his imagination. I got another email here from Patrick. He says uh, about how, how God answers prayer. And I'm not sure I'm going to agree with this, but I'm going to read it. He says, uh, uh, I can give some personal experience. First of all, I do believe that God can and does answer prayers miraculously and instantaneously. More often, God uses the events of our everyday life to answer prayer. Sometimes I'll pray about something, and the very next day something ordinary will happen that will give me the answer I was looking for. I've even had God use the words someone was speaking in an ordinary conversation to be the answer to a prayer I had just prayed. Many answered prayers are unjustly chalked up to mere coincidence. Now, I, I agree with that. I think that when we pray, th that sometimes we just say, well, it was coincidence that something happened, when it may very well be the fact that God was answering prayer. The part of Patrick's uh, answer that I would not agree with is the use of the term miraculously. He says he believes that God's, God answers prayers miraculously. I don't believe God's working miracles in the world today. I think the Bible is very clear on that. We have studied that on the virtual Bible study in the past and probably will again in the not-too-distant future. But it's very clear from the New Testament that miraculous, that is supernatural events, the, the kind of events where the laws of nature are suspended and something happens contrary to the known laws of science, 
That's not happening. God's not working miracles today. We've studied that. The Bible's clear on that. We believe that he did in times past perform uh, miraculous things, supernatural events occurred by the power of the Holy Spirit, but not today. And so I would have to disagree with that part of of Patrick's answer, but I I do think he hit a chord there when he said uh, sometimes prayers are answered and we unjustly chalk it up to mere coincidence. I think that is uh, a, a, a good observation on his part. Yeah, we do need to spend time, Nick, thinking about our prayers and, and thinking about how God has provided for the needs that we've, we've petitioned him for. Uh, very easy for us to just go from one crisis to the next to one day to the next without stopping and looking back and realizing how God has blessed us, how he's answered our prayers. And if we will spend some time in reflection, it will help us as we go forward to have more confidence in our prayers. We pray, pray in faith as we're required to pray. Yeah, uh, several of the verses that were were mentioned earlier is showing that not only do we re- make requests and petitions, but we need to follow up on the idea of, of thanksgiving uh, for those petitions that we have received or those blessings that we have received. And sometimes those blessings are far beyond what we might have even anticipated because as we read it in passages uh, like I believe it's Ephesians 3.20, it says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, even though I believe that is in accordance with his will. And, and so even the things that my little finite mind can come up with requests as I study the scriptures, uh, there's so much that God can do. And in his providence, I may not understand how all God does those things and, and don't have to, but I believe I can see the evidence of the blessings that come from being righteous and seeing how that God is listening to my prayers, listening to prayers of righteous people, because that's who I want to pray for me uh, when I need help. I, w- I want to find people that I, I see that is uh, trying to walk in a right way with God, that his ears will be open to those prayers. Jacob, let me catch a couple of emails real quick. We're just about out of time. A, a, a listener in Indiana writes, I have heard people leading prayer that were not eloquent of speech, and yet their prayers were simple and deep in thought and sincerity. They came from the heart and were not, not in no way trying to impress others. Do we have to have good speech in order to pray effectively? I think the answer to that is definitely no. I agree. I, I've, I've known the same. Very simply worded prayers that were heartfelt and certainly we believe would be acceptable to God. Uh, got an email asking um, for some follow-up on praying to Jesus. and There's, there's several verses there, and I don't, think, I don't think we've got time to get to those. But that's an imp- interesting question. Question. Let me let me real quickly uh, uh, respond to. Uh, please comment on the following verses. I don't know if we got time for this, Jacob, but in John fourteen thirteen, whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Well, I agree that we ask in His name or by His authority. That's what that's what we believe we're supposed to do. Pray to the Father in His name or by His authority. Uh, several other verses. He, uh, John fourteen fourteen. If you ask anything in my name, John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, John fourteen sixteen. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter. Uh, I don't. I don't see any of those verses uh, that are different from what we were saying earlier. We pray to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what He said there. You shall ask in my name. We ask in the name of Jesus. We ask God in the name of Jesus. I believe that's what we're supposed to do. And then uh, says bottom line, he says, bottom line, is it wrong to pray to Jesus when Jesus himself said he and God are one? 
John 10:30. I and the Father are one. We believe that, but they are one in the sense that they are united. They're not the same person. They are united. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also one with them. They are united in, and they are in complete harmony and unity. But that would not serve as justification to do something different than what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, pray to the Father in my name. And so I, I don't think that that would justify addressing prayers to Jesus. Certainly, as we said, he's involved in the prayer process. And only through him and in his name do we have the authority to approach the Father. But uh, I don't think those verses would, would uh, justify addressing prayers to Jesus. Any other thoughts on that, guys? I don't agree. Yeah, I would agree as well. There's no verses there that I see that uh, would give us indication that we're to pray to Jesus. We are to pray through his, through his name by his authority. Uh, and the God and Jesus are one. They're unified, yeah, but they're not the same being. There are some Pentecostals who would like to make that same argument that, uh, that God and Jesus are the same being. But they are not. They're separate. And we are told to pray to the Father. We're not to ask anything of Jesus now, uh, John, or John chapter 16, verse 23, but we're to ask the Father. Well, we're out of time. I think we've had a good discussion. We've covered a lot of ground. And, that, and what I think we see is that this subject of prayer is a very involved subject. There's a lot to it. Uh, maybe one of the things in that survey, Jacob, people, when they were surveyed about praying, maybe one of the things that is a problem is a lot of people do not comprehend the depth of that subject. They just think that they can throw out a prayer to God and that he ought to hear it and answer it. And they haven't taken into consideration a lot of the other things the Bible says on the subject. Yeah, it was an interesting study, and I thought it was uh, worthwhile to talk about. Uh, certainly, you see some people there who are praying without faith. Uh, some people who are praying don't believe their prayers are going to be answered. But maybe, that if we look at the number of people who think God is answering some prayers, maybe they are attributing answers uh, that aren't really answers to their prayers uh, if they're not uh, living a life that uh, God would have them be living. Exactly right. Well, we appreciate you all joining us down there in Florida. Nick, thanks for your help on the program tonight. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And if you and if you get out there in the Gulf fishing with Jacob, don't 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 catch them all. Leave a few for seed. Okay, we'll we'll probably uh, be able to do that easily. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's the virtual Bible study for tonight, and we appreciate all of you who are listening and who have been participating in the program. We hope you'll make it a regular Thursday night appointment to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Keep studying your Bible, live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.